SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Sam. Six minutes after six o'clock. Hilton Tarrant with you on the Market Update this Tuesday evening. A reminder of our SMS line here on SAFM 34701. If you want to get in contact with the Market Update team, use the keyword market. That's M-A-R-K-E-T. Uh, start your SMS with market. That's to 34701, and we'll take uh, some of those between now and 6.30. First up, as always, Google it and Fupi has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Workers down tools in an illegal strike today at one of Impala Platinum's mines. This is the latest wildcat action to hit the country's mining sector. It's alleged that one person was dismissed because of disciplinary action, and his colleagues at the shaft went on strike in sympathy. South African clothing retailer Edcon Holdings has posted a wider annual loss as changes in stores and management disrupted sales. Same-store retail sales growth slowed to half a percent in the year through March from 7.4% a year earlier. Edcon's net loss also widened from 2 billion rand last year to 5 billion this year. And business confidence in South Africa dropped by two points between the months of April and May as labor unrest in the mining sector hit business sentiment. The South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry has also revealed that socio-political events, including ongoing militant labor action, have, an harm, have a harmful impact on the business mood, commercial and industrial activity levels, whilst also distorting financial market performance. Turning to the markets now, the JCO share index is closed in the red today, down by a tenth of 1% at 40,897 points. Looking at the rand, it's at 9.77 against the US dollar, 14.93 to the pound and 12.78 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,398 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $102 and the platinum price at $1,483 an ounce. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. It's eight minutes after six o'clock. David Shapiro of Sasfin with us. David, market slipping ever so slightly. Mm. The uh, broad-based industrial shares doing well on the day. Industrials, financials did well. It was mining that brought us down. And uh, one can expect that. The RAND improved quite a lot. Uh, it's slipping a little towards the end now. I see it's heading back towards 980, but it was down below 970. So mm. I think that just took a bit of the edge off the mining shares. But we also saw gold and platinum come off a bit. Still pressure on uh, the whole resource sector. Oil not going anywhere. So platinum shares down, gold shares down. Anglo's Bulletin also had a pretty rough day. Apart from that, financials very strong. I think they outstripped um, st- outstripped industrials. Industrials also hurt by that strong rand with British American Tobacco, Richemont, you know, all our dualists um, battling to, to, to make up ground. They're still on international markets. There's still a lot of concern and uncertainty over wh- what uh, Bernanke's next move is going to be. It's perverse because, I mean, if he cuts back on his programs, it just shows you that the, the U.S. economy is getting a lot stronger. So how he communicates it is the big issue. But uh, uh, financial is very strong. I saw, I don't know if you picked up that ABLE, uh, mm. the PRC has increased its, its holding uh, in ABLE to 50, over 15%. I'm not sure where it was before, but that gave the market about a 5.5% lift. Capitec also uh, improved, but broadly banks were, uh, you know, led the way upwards. We saw, uh, yes, as you say, Abel up uh, 5.25% on the day, 16.83 off those 52-week uh, lows, which has kind of been bouncing along for the past 
week, two weeks, three weeks. Uh, Arsenal Mittal, another one. Investec Asset Management owns over 5% of the company that was disclosed this morning, setting off a almighty uh, flurry of activity mm. uh, in, in Arsenal Mittal's uh, trading. Uh, share was up 13, 14% mm. at one stage. The end of the day uh, at 32 and 11, up 10%. Any yeah. excuse, I guess. I've got no excuse. You want to buy that with pleasure. You know, I suppose, I suppose there's uh, issues around the weaker rand might be helping them. But input costs into those big factories, oh, you know, it still worries me. I still think there's a lot of work to be done before we see, um, uh, you know, Arsenal Middle turn the corner. Look, remember, it's coming off such a low base. So I have no doubt that the uh, Pittsfieldian School of Value Investing is is probably buying this without you know with <laughs> with difference to old bit you know but I, I, it would suit someone like that you know who who wants to find deep value um, in a stock I'm sure that um, Investec is is a John that's buying and John Bicot that might see value um, it's too early from our point of view and you know regardless of of what assets they have and what the normalised earnings on a company like that could be. If you are interested in uh, the house view at RCM, uh, Pitfall Yun, in that uh, interview which we played a highlight from yesterday, uh, that full interview on MoneyWeb, there is uh, some discussion around ArcelorMittal. Also on the RCM website, uh, RCM.co.za, in the latest review, uh, some of the investment commentary, an entire article by Daniel Milan on specifically the steel sector in this country. Some interesting thoughts, and, uh, and no doubt as... <laughs> well, he's a lot cleverer than I am, so... <laughs> And I'm sure he's got better views, but um, you know, I, I'm just taking a market. It just seems that it's a long way to go still. Oceana, the uh, fishing group mm. buying Food Corp's fishing business for yeah. about half a billion rand. Uh, listeners will be familiar with Glenrick, the mm. poultry's business. That, mm. that, that's Glenric, pretty much what they're buying. Glenrick on toast, you know, mm. favorite Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening <laughs> dinner. Um, yeah, and it's a good deal for Oceana. I think Oceana um, has been a wonderful performer. I think it also shows you that Food Corps are going to stick with chickens rather than fish. That's their protein of choice. Um, but for Oceana, look, it's, a volunt- it's not a huge deal from Oceana's mm. point of view, but still, uh, the market liked it. I think mm. they moved the share up over 3%. 3.5% today, 8900 a share. That's a fresh uh, 52-week and, and probably all-time high for Oceana. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, this deal gives them fishing rights. Mm-hmm. It gives them all the fishing rights that are okay. that are in the, the Associated with that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and in some and that, cases, it's, doubles it's, their that, fishing that, rights. They're a really good, I, I've owned them in a fund that I, that I run for a long time and have done incredibly well. But uh, you know, if, if you look at uh, I&J and you look at the other fish producers, they just seem to know how to do it for whatever reason, and you've just got to stick with the winners. So I assume that um, you know, this will be a good deal for them. Who else? I, I, someone else owns Oceana. I think Tiger's, Tiger's got a stake. Got a stake mm. yeah. And uh, Peter McClary mm. at mm. the results presentation last week mm. was very clear about mm. um, them staying invested. I, they like the business. They like the management. I, you know, it's, it's still, it's, uh, I, I say it, I, I declare my interest, but I, I say it's the one food company that just seems to have surpassed all the others with all the other issues. There. And I don't think they've got any competition um, things overhanging their, you know, their head either. Well, Telcom is currently negotiating with trade unions regarding salary and wage adjustments. Uh, this negotiation began way back in March. Marius Krokom, spokesperson for Trade Union Solidarity, joins us now. Marius, uh, months down the line, still no agreement. What is the status of the negotiations? Good evening. 
Yes, we've had quite a protracted negotiation process. We've we spent more than 15 working days and nights negotiating, and uh, we've reached a stalemate. Uh, Telcom made an offer last week for us, which we took back to our membership. It was an offer of a 6% increase for three years, and uh, and wage and, and job security, no forced retrenchments. And this morning, as we were preparing to deliver our mandate, which was to accept this offer, Telcom withdrew the job protection, which takes us back to square one. In terms of the, the, the job protection, this is obviously forming part of, of these negotiations. Outside of this, though, there is a voluntary retrenchment offer uh, for pretty much all of Telcom's employees. From what you know, are, are employees accepting that offer from Telcom? Yes, the latest figures we have is that just over 1,300 employees have accepted that offer and are leaving the company. Maurice Crowcomp is spokesperson uh, for Trade Union Solidarity, and we will keep in touch as uh, as the the unions as well as Telcom meet at the CCMA tomorrow to try and resolve this stalemate. Very interesting, David. Twenty one thousand employees, a thousand three hundred off your wage bill. That's a big number. Hmm. But still, it just shows you the the issues poor old Telcom have. You know, any company in South Africa have with trade unions. Still a still a massive issue in our lives. You never get this uh, continuity. You know, every year there's a stop and stutter, even for someone like Telcom. Keep those questions coming through on our SMS line three four seven zero one. That's three four seven zero one with the keyword market at a cost of two rand an SMS. Ten years ago, we hosted the inaugural Kimberley Process Summit. For the second time, South Africa is chair of this important international structure. On behalf of all South Africans, I am proud to welcome back members of the Kimberley process to a renewal of our collective commitment to an equitably prosperous world, free of conflict downs. This message is brought to you by the South African government. Pharmaceutical company Adcock Ingram, which has received buyout offers from Bidvest and other undisclosed bidders, out with results for the six months to March 31 today. The company, known for its Panado, Compril and Carenza medicines, reported revenue up 9%. Headline earnings per share down 5%. Its dividend maintained in the six months. Dr. Jonathan Lowe is chief executive of Adcock Ingram. Jonathan, I know we're not talking about the office today, just the results, but to suffice to say the board is still evaluating those proposals. Yes, uh, I think uh, good evening to you and your listeners. And, um, and as we have indicated, the board is following a clear process in which it's re- reviewing a number of proposals from interested parties with the intention of securing ultimately maximum value for shareholders. I'm not a part of the board process, and, and therefore I'm not really in a position to comment on that process. Jonathan, these six months characterized by RAND weakness, uh, obviously affecting a number of companies on the JSC, and also uh, characterized by a market here in South Africa where consumers are under pressure. Are consumers down trading? What we have seen is that, uh, yes, consumers have been under pressure. If we listen to what the retailers were saying uh, sort of around Christmas time, um, you know, it looked like uh, pretty dire straits for the consumer at that stage. We did see some down trading. Our OTC business 
in volume declined by about 1%, but we had a little bit of price leverage there and overall showed a 4% increase. The RAND, as you've uh, rightly suggested, certainly has had an effect on the business. We've seen a 16% depreciation in the RAND over this last six months, and that's the period that we've reported on. And then, of course, the last few weeks, uh, probably another 16 to 20% um, uh, decline. So certainly the RAND is a, a big effect on our business. We've tried to mitigate it through some great cost control, and you'll notice the operational expenditure in the business is down about 12%. We've got a strong continuous improvement program in our factories, and we're doing everything we can uh, with the single exit price uh, of 5.8% that we were given, the increase was given from the beginning of May. Um, so we're doing everything we can to mitigate uh, the effect on our business. Jonathan, that single exit price, 5.8% uh, increase in the market uh, for those specific products uh, as, of, as of 1 May. Uh, in these six months, what what's, uh, dispensation were you, were you operating under? It was about a 2% price increase at that stage, 2.14 to be exact. Uh, we took that across most of the areas that our portfolio would tolerate. In the OTC business, only about 50%, in fact, is regulated by SEP. So there we had, uh, I think, better price increases in the order of 5 or 6%. Um, as we've moved into the complementary medicines, the multivitamins, minerals, and supplements, etc., they're less regulated when it comes to uh, SEP. The good news, of course, is that the Schedule Nought products uh, – that are also registered by the Medicines Control Council, their exemption from SEP has been maintained as of yesterday. That was gazetted. So that, that's good news for that part of the portfolio. Jonathan, that ARV tender, 25% uh, of the volume uh, through Adcock Ingram, how does that compare with, with say, last year or the, or the year before? Um, last year we only had about 4%. So certainly a, a big jump. The big change has been that we now have a full range of uh, the first-line therapies. So 95% of patients will be using first-line therapies. There we have a full basket. When it comes to second-line therapy, which is more the sort of uh, rescue therapy where when you develop resistance to the first-line antiretrovirals, only about 5% of patients require this. There we have about 50% of the products, and our, our new product pipeline will, will cater to the rest. The big registration we were waiting for was the triple registration or the, the, the triple product, uh, the triple combination product, and we've managed to, to register that now at the beginning of May. So certainly that product will now be available to the market as well. Jonathan, in terms of CapEx, getting your factories uh, refitted and, and up to scratch, uh, the bulk of that behind you, uh, CapEx of around about a quarter of a billion rand in this financial year. You've spent the bulk of it in these six months with about 100 million rand to go. Yeah, yeah. so certainly we've been on a, a process of, I think, totally re-engineering um, Adcock Ingram from a quality perspective, and that's the most important perspective for, for our patients out there. And then secondly, from uh, a cost competitiveness to, to adjust to what this particular emerging market requires. And um, that's that's been a capex spend of $2 billion over the last four years. And as you rightly said, 250 in this period, another 100 to go. And we're right at the end now of, of, uh, of rebuilding these factories. So we're in the final stages now of validating them and making sure that all of our products are re-engineered appropriately to be able to fit into these modern, highly automated factories. There's also been quite a bit of job creation in the process. So I think it's been good for the country as a whole. But certainly Adcock, uh, in terms of its... Uh, building competitive advantage is in a far stronger position than it was uh, some years ago. Are you cost competitive today as a, as a manufacturer in South Africa? I think the proof is in the pudding. If you look at what we won in terms of the antiretroviral tender, we were up against some of the, the strongest, uh, lowest cost uh, competitors the world has to offer. So, you know, when one looks now at the job that uh, our government has done for its uh, 
the general public in firstly uh, almost a 6 billion rand antiretroviral tender and companies like ourselves have had to re-engineer their, their cost base in order to, to compete and I think we've certainly shown that we can. The same with the other tenders that we compete in where we still have that very strong share in hospital products and of course in the other tablets and capsules. Outside of uh, South Africa, the OTC market over the counter market in Africa growing strongly and uh, your Indian acquisition of uh, that portion of Cosme uh, coming on stream. Yeah. Look, certainly um, the the rest of Africa businesses has performed exceptionally well. We we took over the Dat Labs business in Zimbabwe. We were in a joint venture with Tiger Brands before we bought over the rest of that business, and it's shown 36% growth versus the previous year. Similar numbers out of Kenya, and that really is a consequence of reintroduction of Darwin, all the flagship product there. It was counterfeited last year, uh, if you remember. And then good performance from the Adcock Ingram brands that we launched in Ghana. We've had some challenges with fresh water supply, I think, as we've described before, but uh, most of that is now, now behind us. The Cosme acquisition gone incredibly well as well. So a bit of a difficult startup with the first two months in this trading period. You'll see there's only about 35 million rands worth of sales. But I'm very pleased to say that April and May we've, uh, I think, uh, beaten last year and certainly are way ahead of the budget that we put forward. So uh, very happy that uh, I think that Cosme business is, is going to be one of the stars of the show at the end of the year. Jonathan, just looking ahead, the current six months, uh, obviously, as you mentioned at the start, the RAND uh, all over the place at the moment, but some relief on, on single exit price for that portion of the portfolio. Yes. Now, the, the RAND certainly been a, been a big effect. The SEP of uh, 5.8% will go some way to mitigating, the, obviously, the input pressure that we've had. And um, you know, the, the challenge for us now is just uh, the, the next uh, six months as we've seen the RAND blow up again. So we're doing what we can to try and uh, curb costs in the business at the moment. Dr. Jonathan Lowe is Chief Executive of Adcock Ingram. Well, David, Adcock shares down 2% mm. on the day. I think that was on the headline earnings, and the market's actually poised for uh, a bid to come in. I think that's everybody's waiting to hear what it is. So I, th- I didn't expect any uh, um, reaction to the results. I don't think it was going to push them either up or down. Maybe a little bit of disappointment. But you know, as Jonathan said, it's, I think the RAND in terms of input costs in every aspect of their business, and you've got very little pricing pressure. You know, there's very little you can do on the pricing side. Ten years ago, we hosted the inaugural Kimberley Process Summit. For the second time, South Africa is chair of this important international structure. On behalf of all South Africans, I am proud to welcome back members of the Kimberley process to a renewal of our collective commitment to an equitably prosperous world, free of conflict dams. This message is brought to you by the South African government. Property Insights brought to you by Redefine Properties. Redefine, we're not landlords, we're people. Well, volatility in the listed property sector, some big drops in, in listed counters last week, some as much as 10, 15% lower across a number of days. Many have regained uh, some, if not all, of that lost ground uh, so far this week. Anton de Goeda, Portfolio Manager at Coronation, he manages the Property Equity Fund, joins us now. Anton, what changed? What, what precipitated this volatility? I think there's two reasons, Hilton, why um, this happened. Um, the first was um, the movement in bond yields. Um, if you look, bond yields started moving already the first 
second week of um, May, and then property yields followed suit in the third week of May, and bond yields moved up by about 80 to 100 basis points, and there's strong correlation that exists between property yields and bond yields caused that um, property yields also to move up. And then secondly, um, and, and some people view it as a kind of catalyst, is the capital raising as growth point did um, mid-May as well, raising 2.5 billion rands worth of equity. And to get that um, size away, they had to do it at a discount of about 7, 7.5% to the previous day's closing. And that prompted um, some people needing to sell to, to for their capacity on growth point that they took up in the placement and that all caused for the sector to fall from its highs in mid-May about 15% uh, up to the end of May. A big drop there, and, uh, and as you mentioned, a double whammy. That's that listing of new uh, units by, by growth point, 2.5 billion rand. Are we likely to see further capital raising given where, where the market is at the moment? I think um, the current levels are still attractive uh, for funding for funding levels. If you look at acquisition yields that, that funds are doing, some of them are still doing acquisitions, you know, above the 10% levels. Although that is smaller properties that they're acquiring, um, but I think that, that the size and with the quantum that Growpoint did, I think that kind of size we'll probably not see a repeat of. That was a kind of record for the sector. In the past, um, uh, the, the, the companies came with about 200 to, let's say, 800, perhaps a billion rand, um, but that was definitely only a record set by the sector. Anton, what has the index returned so far this year, given, given these recent moves? Uh, the sector has returned up to the end of May 4.7%, uh, so still up for the year, despite the, the 15% uh, movement since the highs in May, so still positive return. Uh, and of course, uh, this all happening against a backdrop of, of a shift to, to real estate investment trusts. And we have spoken at length here on the market update about those and about what uh, what advantages they do they do offer. Are we likely to see further new listings in the sector given the the new REIT dispensation? I think the, the likelihood exists of another five to eight listings over the next 12 to 18 months. And the big reason for that is it's private portfolios coming to the sector um, as uh, the tax benefits of the REIT legislation comes through for, for those entities. Um, so Atterbury is, is one of those listings that mm-hmm. may come into the sector over the next um, six months. Um, and I think that's a listing that many people are looking forward to because it has uh, many elements from uh, a, a standing portfolio, income producing, to a development pipeline, to some African exposure as well as some UK exposure. Anton de Gede is Portfolio Manager at Coronation. He manages the Property Equity Fund. Property Insights was brought to you by Redefine Properties. Redefine. We're not landlords. We're people. Lift here.